Hi guys, my name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 65 of Legally Clueless. I'm thankful that you're listening to the podcast. Remember, you can join the tribe on Instagram at Legally Clueless Podcast. Disclaimer, you may hear some strange sounds in the background. (laughs) But my partner, Falgoon, is listening, or rather watching, his favorite animation. And it's, I've never understood why he digs it. But anyway, it's first and foremost in a completely different language. But he has had like a rough couple of days, so I don't want to be that person who's like yelling, reduce your volume, nah, nah, nah. and Sunday, because he's not working from home, so he's still going into work and stuff. So Sundays, which is when I'm recording this, are his chill days. So I just want him to do his thing comfortably. So if you just hear Yakamoto <laughs> in the background, <laughs> just understand. However, I do hope that you have heard a peaceful, you know, like internal peace week, as peaceful as can be, I guess, all things considered. I don't know if, you know, when you engage with stories and articles and movements about what is happening around the world and here in Kenya, I don't know if you onboard those feelings as well, but I know I do. And so I have to kind of like be <laughs> check myself and, and make sure that I'm, I'm approaching this. I, I think at one morning this week, I woke up and I was just like, I, I don't want to be angry anymore. I want to fully focus on like solutions and things like that. And that's kind of like the same approach that I have to gender-based violence and rape. Like I feel like we need to be more focused on actual interventions and it may not be programs that change lives or that move somebody to the next level. It could also be interventions in terms of changing how people think. So creating spaces where these discussions can be had. So That's kind of like where I am, which is why I kind of want to vent. And please let me. (laughs) It's not like you can reach through and zimmer my mic. (laughs) So I am going to vent. I find it very unfair that the work on ending rape and ending rape culture is a duty that is left solely to survivors. And I'll explain. Whenever somebody speaks out about their story so a survivor shares their story i really get tagged a lot and you know i have not hidden my my story as a survivor and i have to admit it took me a long time to figure out what part of this huge problem i wanted to be involved in and involved in a space of like creating solutions so for me it's really making sure survivors get quality psychosocial support at no cost or at the most minimal cost ever. It has taken me years to get to a point where I'm like, that's exactly what I want to be involved in, right? Anyway, so yeah, I I get tagged in a lot of outrage whenever a survivor bravely speaks out. And my thoughts are this, rapists and people who propagate rape culture belong to certain social groups, right? And these may be your social groups. And I just wonder, do you call them out? I remember one moment where I felt so... Like I wanted to hug this person and just tell them what they had done 
means so much to me, but you know, I didn't know them like that. And it was in my former workplace. You know, we were having a conversation about how unsafe it is for women to like walk at certain times in certain areas and how we take extra steps like in, when we're taking a cab blah 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 so it was me and another female employee and about three to four guys and the guys were saying oh they at the beginning of the conversation were very ignorant about the things that women do to ensure that they're safe and so then they were like you know we didn't understand that this is what women go through like there was some form of understanding and these Men and the one girl were from a department that was very different from mine, right? And so they used to hang out after work and go on road trips, blah, blah, blah. This girl then calls out these guys and says, you guys have actually contributed to rape culture in front of me and I'm calling you out now. And I called you out then and you guys thought I was overreacting. We went on a road trip and as we were driving, there were some girls walking on the side of the road and you guys were like catcalling and telling them how pretty they are. Nah, 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 nah. So the guy's like, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. We were like appreciating beauty, blah, blah, blah. The girl is like, that's from your end. But from a chick's end, first, can you imagine you're driving, you're in a car, these girls are walking. So already they're like, we could be bundled into this car, whatever. In in essence, what she was saying is that those girls were scared because of everything that happens to women and that catcalling and all of that is part of street harassment, right? And is actually part of, in extension, rape culture because it means you are seeing a woman, when you interact with a woman, the first thing is you're seeing her as an object, right? And you're seeing her as a sexual object, not as a human being or anything. So that in itself, even before we get to safety and how scared the girls are, that in itself is a problem, right? Anyway, so I remember when she called them out, I wanted to hug her because I was just like, this is like, call it out, call it out in all spaces. It will take us a long time to end rape culture, but we've got to start from somewhere. You have to call it out when people say things like, acha o mama, which basically means like, stop behaving like a woman and it's normally said in a derogatory term call that out when a guy buys a chick a drink or whatever and he then brags to his friends his friends are like umeweka sure bet which basically is referring to buying her a drink as like betting and you're going to make some returns after that call it out when people heckle or cat call women call it out, take the initiative, do a Google search to understand the terminologies like rape culture, to understand consent, to understand even rape and what that is and that there are different forms of rape. Just be active enough to look for this stuff. You don't have to have money or funding to recognize an injustice when you see one. So back to when survivors bravely share their story, this means that on top of the burden of healing, a target then is placed on their back where the victim blaming and victim shaming battalion can shoot at. So it's a lot. It's a lot that they're going to have to deal with. But they share these stories so that you can do more so that the responsibility of ending rape can stop being a duty that's solely for survivors. To be quite frank, I don't expect people to understand that, you know, tagging when a survivor shares a story, tagging another survivor could be triggering. And it is. There are moments it happens to me. It happened this week. There are moments where I'm okay. I can take it. But there are moments like this week when first behind the scenes, I've already been updated about this story. I've already spoken to 
psychologist within my my network somebody in the legal world within my network and there's a woman speaking directly to the survivor and so you know trying to connect the survivor to all of these resources basically but then the tags are all just outrage and this needs to stop and i just wish i'd be tagged in something more than that i wish i'd be tagged in discussions i wish i would be tagged in brainstorms I wish I'd be tagged in people thinking about certain campaigns and like asking for connections to other organizations that are working in that space. I don't know. I I wish the tags were more of that because then it would mean you understand what is required from you when a survivor shares their story. So um, if you check the description in this podcast episode, there's a link that I think you should check out if you Uh, wondering where to begin. It's basically a compilation of ways that you can stand up against rape culture. And yeah, just read it and maybe just start from there. Vent over. (laughs) I'm so thankful I got it out. (laughs) So before we jump into the story on 100 African Stories this week, I want to share a song that, you know, I've been listening to music, let me tell you, that to me sounds like the feeling I get when I'm applying sheer butter on my body, right? And I know that sounds so strange, but it's like ah, such healing music from Mereba, who I shared with you last week. And this week, I want you to check out LSD. And it is by Jamila Woods featuring Chance the Rapper. And Jamila Woods, I'm listening to a lot of musicians who either started off as poets or are still poets. Maybe because I'm writing poetry a lot more. But listen to the song. I really like it because there's a lot of reference to water being very healing. And I feel that, man. Like, if there's one thing I miss with this whole work from home and Nairobi being cordoned, we can't even go anywhere. It's like going to Lake Elmentaita, which is one of my best lakes in Kenya. And just, it's so still. And just sitting there and listening to music or writing and stuff like that. I really do miss that. Anyway, that was like, wow, a wild digression. (laughs) Check out the link in the bio and you can check out the song. On 100 African Stories on this episode, it's a story by one of you. Yes, because of course, if you want to share your story on the podcast, you can send a one minute demo of the story you want to share to the podcast hotline, which is plus 254-768-628-790. I'll send you some prompts and then we shall record the story remotely. The story in this episode happened like that and I'm so thankful that Nick Tay shared her one minute demo and shared the story that is just so it's powerful because you can hear the healing that she's gone through but there are points when you're just like oh man like some people are so damn heartless so first and foremost because we recorded it remotely it does sound like a phone call which it basically was so I do apologize for the audio But it's a story of how she found out her fiancé was 
cheating and had gotten this girl pregnant one week before the rashio, which is like the traditional pre-wedding ceremony. Yeah. A hundred African stories. There is no proper life that you live in university as a musician. If I constantly just walked around feeling sorry for myself, I'm never going to get anything done. Uh, there was a bit of frustration in between all of that. I've been breaking my back for this company. Therapy is not for the weak or for the crazy. Stories from Africa. Hi, my name is Nikte and I'm from Nairobi, Kenya. <laughs> okay, let me explain. He was out of the country, but I knew his entire family. So he was literally the last person I met in his family. Mm-hmm. So when we eventually met, it was we used to hang out at the house a lot because then I was in a dance team and his brother was my dance leader. So we would have practice at the house. Um, How did we start dating? Okay, we had been very good friends for about five years before this so i know i knew all his stories so talking was natural so i guess we had a natural progression into the relationship and by the time we started officially dating and finally because our families were close by the time we finally told our families we were dating everyone was like wow took you guys long enough like it was one of those things that was expected from us but nobody was ever saying anything we were the last ones to know that people were waiting for us to finally say we are dating it was one of those weird situations i had daddy issues at the time because my dad was not present and for him it was more of he was already a father from when he was about 19 but had not been there for his child so i was always the one when you've been raised by a single mom you know the struggles of a single mom so i was always asking how is your child doing and things like those but he never was taking the initiative so it kind of felt like why am i the one advocating for the rights of this child who is yours not ours i was giving him the opportunity to be to his child, the father that I never had as well. We had a lot of conversations about fatherhood and parenthood and things like those, but generally our friendship was a lot of conversations about the future, like how do you want to relate with other people? And this was even prior to us being in a relationship. In the beginning, it was amazing. We, Like I said, we continued to talk about our relationships and what we want to do with our lives and work and progressing in whatever spaces we were in during the day and then talking about our now in the evening once we were both out of work how are things going at work how do you see yourself going in that space there was a lot of conversations about that oh he in the beginning he was a very uh he's always been a very charming person he was always flirting he was always surprising me like at work there's a time he then got my friends at work um to hide me somewhere so he could come in with a friend and surprise me with a thank you cake for what I had done for him for his birthday. So it was a thank you cake. People all started singing happy birthday and he's like, no, 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 no. It's not her birthday. It's a thank you cake. And guys were confused like, what? So <laughs> yeah, he, he he went out of his way. He knew my favorite meal. So sometimes he would buy that for me and bring it to me to her office. Like he was very romantic about it in the very beginning. The red flags in the beginning is he was always flirting. So I didn't realize it then. But him always flirting meant that he was always flirting as, with other people as well. So that, because even when we'd meet with friends, he's always like, ah, but you're pretty. And then, you know, those things that you just slide under the carpet that you're like, oh, he's so kind. At least he's letting them know. And later you're like, hi, is that is that normal? Like, I didn't realize that he was flirting with everyone. And then now, a bit later, the other red flag that I think I also swept under the carpet was 
whenever I had a work function, he was automatically invited because he would hang out with me and my friends even when it's not a work party. He was always invited. Somehow, when it was his work functions, I was never invited. He was very vague about it. He was like, I would ask, oh, so when do you guys have it? Then he'd be like, oh, you know, it's for clients only. No, 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 you can't come. And I was like, but you know all my workmates. Why is this one-sided? But it wasn't a thing that I thought was a thing until we had broken up and then I realized why I was never invited. 2013, a friend of mine uh, was doing doa at Mavuno. And she said, it's a really good class to take on, even if you guys are not getting married immediately. It's a good thing. It helps you grow in your relationship. So I suggested to this guy, and he's like, ah, why do you want us to go through that? He just wants to go talk to other people about our problems. And I'm like, what problems? Like, we're fine. He was not for the idea at all. Then, December of the same year, 2013, he decided to approach the subject himself now. So he's like, ah, remember that Ndoa story you were talking about? How about we check when the next class is? Ah. So I told him, since you're the one who's suggesting it, you check and then let me know. You know I'm already easy with this story. So he's like, okay, sour, sour. So around Christmas time, because uh, a lot of the time we spent Christmas with them anyway. So around Christmas time, he calls me aside and tells me, I think it's a good idea if you start talking about your future and what you want from 2014. I'm like, oh, great, this sounds like it's headed in a good direction. So he tells me, okay, in January, we can call our families together and uh, talk about plans for 2018 and us getting married and everything. So I'm like, ah, great, this sounds good. But I couldn't, I wanted, you know that moment where you have some exciting news, but the excitement of keeping it is so good. So I kept it to myself for, I think, about two, three weeks. So January rolls around and uh, he decides, okay, let's meet with the parents and uh, have this conversation. He sits down with his parents on that side of the table and my mom and I sit on this side of the table. And he says, so Nick and I have decided that uh, we would like to get married this year. So of course, at this point, I'm sitting, waiting for the words to come out of his mouth because remember, He's the one who started this conversation in December. And he was, I think, non-committal a lot in the beginning. So I wanted it to come from his mouth. So I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm nodding and I'm like, okay, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I guess this makes it official. So there was never like a formal proposal. He gets down on one knee, uh, says, will you marry me? And the girl jumps up shouting, yes. Ours was the traditional, we've sat down with the parents, made intentions clear and Let's see where it goes from there. And our parents were really happy. His dad was very, very happy because his dad and I were very, very close. We used to talk and he was an amazing person. So he was, yeah, he was very excited about the possibility of what's happening in 2014 and it's going to be a big year. There was two grandchildren on the way at this point. So his grandfather, uh, his father was ecstatic at this point. They start saying, okay, so we can start planning the meetings. So we set a date for the next time we were going to meet the five of us again and start talking about dates the date of the which is the men of his family coming to say we have seen a girl in your homestead or whatever and this is the girl we have chosen and we'll come and talk about dowry later so we started setting dates for that and for the show and everything else and we would talk about the wedding date later. So we go home. I think like a week after that, he tells me, oh yeah, I called Mavuno about the Ndoa classes. But unfortunately, they already had their first class 
this past Sunday. Now this was the 31st of January. They already had the first class and we had missed it. So I was like, mm-hmm. ah, it's okay. We just missed one class. We should be fine. So we joined the class uh, from the first Sunday in February and continue with it. The class was a 10-week course. We had only missed one Sunday. It was fine. We joined the class, met some amazing people. We start talking and then you realize, hey, yeah, yeah, everybody's already like getting married mid 2014 we are the only ones who are thinking of end of year here there is a bit of pressure but at the same time everybody is traveling at their own pace so there was a good conversation going on between the two of us and also in the class because you're getting to know each other sometime in march we met with the parents again and now set the final dates they were going to officially come in uh, july and that's when now the process was supposed to be starting so now that those dates were set I needed to work backward to plan the wedding and plan the Rosa show at the same time, get a dress, and it was, it felt like it was happening fast, but in retrospect, there was a couple of months. So in April, took a month of work so I can do all the planning because I knew we would be shooting a lot of things uh, in the next couple of months. We were doing the short films for Amoth. So that's why I took April to plan. I literally met every single vendor and attended uh, weddings to see food and things like those, all of them with my best maid in April. Because they were happening a lot in the middle of the workday, he was not there for all of them. And the funny thing is, I remember my deco lady asking, so what does he want? And I was like, I asked him a million times, basically. And he always said, you just choose what you want. So I had been given the liberty to do whatever I wanted. But of course, when she brought it up, at first I was defensive about it, but it wasn't until later that I realized that was actually a good starting point for uh, we need to have this conversation with him, but he's not forthcoming about it. And I wondered why, considering mm. he was the one who had been leading things up until this point. This is April when we have just graduated from the Endora class. I thought things would be full speed ahead by this point where planning is concerned. So April comes, goes. The month of May, I have my birthday. Nothing much happened on that day. Two weeks later, he throws me a huge... But when I get there, I look around and I'm like, okay, these are the lovely people I would love to have for my birthday. But something just felt off. And I remember talking to my mom about it when we were driving home. Because I was like, okay, so both of our families were there, extended family. A lot of our friends were there. People from our Andorra class were there. Something just felt off. And I remember my mom asking me, what did you think of the party? And I remember saying, don't know but something felt off i think it's just a woman's intuition like something is off i don't know what it is but i'm just gonna go ahead with this party because i'm having fun and my favorite people are here now fast forward to june some friends of ours had a traditional wedding out of town so we traveled on saturday morning and we came back to nairobi late the same same day so sunday neither of us was going to church we were both tired so he says, okay, uh, let's meet in town and have lunch so we can just catch up on the on how the weekend went and everything. And since we were both staying home, we might as well just meet up and have a meal. So I'm like, okay, nothing suspicious. I'm good. We sit at the restaurant and he starts, his eyes could not meet my eyes. And I was wondering, what is happening? <laughs> what is happening? Like, see, we were okay yesterday. What is happening today that is different from yesterday? Am I feeling pressure because it's your friend's traditional ceremony and you feel like yours is in a few days? Because at this point, it's one week away. It's a week away from the traditional ceremony. 
But I felt maybe he's feeling pressure because his friend had his yesterday. So I linger that mm. So the waiter mm. comes <laughs> and he says, okay, may I take your order? So I tell him, I'll have this, this, and this. Then I turn to him and so does the waiter and we're waiting for him to make his order. And he says, um, I'm not going to be able to eat. I have ulcers. So I'm like, so you are what? Ulcers from where? We've never talked about ulcers. So I tell the waiter, okay, you go. Don't even make my order. Just go and then come back in like five minutes. He'll give you his order. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm holding his hand. And I'm like, babe, what's wrong? What's giving you ulcers? You've never talked to me about ulcers. He's like, oh, they just started recently. I haven't told you about it. So I'm like, what's stressing you? Because personally, I already have ulcers. So I know what they feel like. So I know this is it's not a kawaida thing. So let me find out what's happening. Try and help him. See, his babe. and. His problems are my problems. So I'm holding his hand and I'm like, babe, what's wrong? He's like, oh, you know, it's work stuff. I'm like, no, it can't be work stuff because you not only tell me all of your work issues. I know who owes you money. I know who you're not talking to at the office right now. Like, it can't be work stuff. Then he's like, ah, it's family stuff. I'm like, not only do I know it's not family stuff, I'm closer with your family and I knew them before (laughs) I ever met you. So... Everything that was going on, like we were very open. We talk about a lot of things. So I'm like, no, it can't be family stuff and it can't be work stuff. Tell me what is happening. Long silence. And then he says, sorry, I don't know how to say this except just saying it. I'm like, see you, just talk. See, I'm here. I'm here for you. Let's talk this out. And he tells me, uh, I cheated on you. I think I was silent for a full five minutes. Looking at him, looking at his hand, which I am holding. Then I'm like, why am I holding his hand? When did this happen? What is this? All the questions that come to your mind. But the only thing I could voice was when and why. So he tells me, oh, this was like a month ago. Uh, it meant nothing. You know, I one day from work, my friends and I went to this club that we go to in town. And then I met an old friend there. But you know what? Actually, it's not my fault. This chick dragged me. I don't even know how it happened. But she, I just woke up and I didn't feel myself. She dragged me and she just told me that she's pregnant. Wow. One week away from Rorashio. This is what you're telling me. Now, are you serious with your life? You want to be concerned that this dude was drugged. But at the same time, you're like, this story. I think he planned to tell me this all along. But he was, he didn't know when to tell me considering the Rorashio was so close. I go to stand up and I'm like, I need to get out of here. Please don't call me today. I just need to leave. He's like, no, 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 no. Sit down. I need you to do one thing. Listen, I've called my cab guy. He's actually waiting outside. I'm like, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, wait. This was the plan all along. Because he's like, I don't think you're in a position to leave right now and go by March. Because at that time, I wasn't even driving. So he called me a cab to take me home. I get into the cab. In my confusion, I call one of the ladies on my wedding lineup. Thank you, Rhoda. You too. She rescued me from jumping in front of a bus because for her, I think the reason I reached out to her is because one, I trust her. Two, she's been my voice of reason a lot of the time. Please note, this is already his cab guy. So I know he's listening to this conversation. So in my head, I'm just like, this guy is not only listening, but now he knows all the things that are happening between me and my ex. I go home, I talk to her and she tells me, you know what? You go to work tomorrow. Remember, I'm back to work at this point. Go to work tomorrow, come sleep over at our house, and we'll talk this through and see how we can help you. Because I had spent a lot of time at their house, her, her husband, and her 
child. So I go to the house and we're talking things through and I'm like, I have no idea what to do about this right now. Do I go through with the wedding? Do I not? I was so confused from the excitement of the week that is upon us to what did this guy just say? I didn't sleep. I think I cried for like three days straight before I ever told anyone else. Please note, my mother and I are very, very close. So it was a lot. There was a lot of lying for those three days. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine, mommy. I'm okay. Uh, so about Saturday, we need the numbers for uh, the family. We need to know exactly how many people are coming because the tents and decor person has already been paid, but she needs to know numbers and the catering person needs to be known. So financially invested in this entire story. And then this guy decides, ah, it's not important. Let us just cheat. Now, wait, there's one part of the story I forgot. About a month before my birthday, my mom and I had had a very heated conversation because suddenly she started feeling like something was wrong. Is everything okay with you too? Something feels wrong. And I'm like, mommy, you don't know this guy. Me, I'm the one who knows him. See, I'm in the relationship with him. We talk. Like, everything is fine. So my mom and I had mini kosanad and had not talked for a period there because she was like, something is going on. I don't know what it is. If you don't know what it is, then maybe it's not with you, it's with him. So we had kosanad with my mom about this. So now, for three days, I'm trying to figure out how to tell my mother, you were right and I was wrong. Oh, so Tuesday night, I call her and tell her, Mommy, we need to talk. She's like, no, 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 just tell me the numbers of the people who are coming. Like, if they're going to be 30, tell me. So I tell the caterer, they are 30 from that side and that many from this side. And I'm like, no, 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 let's talk tomorrow morning. Come see me at my office and then we'll talk. So Wednesday morning, 7, we, show, uh, we meet at my office and we're talking in the car. So... So at this point, I know what is coming. <laughs> so I breathe. I'm like, Mom, something I need to tell you. I am not having a rogashu on Saturday, and I don't think the wedding is happening at this point. Because by this point, after, after talking to my friend Rhoda and everything was now finally laid out on the table, I realized I, not only can I not go through with the rogashu, I don't think this wedding needs to happen anymore. And she looks at me like, what? Did you just say, considering the money I've been spending this week to make sure everything is fine for Saturday? I'm like, yeah. So I tell her, yeah, I just found out he's cheating and this chick is pregnant. He said it happened about a month ago. I don't want you to be any more committed to this ratio, uh, like finances and everything, than you already are. My mom just sits there in shock. She's like, something was happening, I didn't know what it is you assured me, but now see I told you this boy is not good for you, something is happening and in my head I'm just like, mommy this is not for me to hear right now, I need to hear, baby my baby, you're hurting, I'm here here's my shoulder to cry on so of course, when she realized what was happening, she switched her <laughs> shock into support, and what you need you need to get away so you can have time to think, and na, 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 what can we do? I know Saturday was supposed to be the Rorashio. We'll go have fun day, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, we'll do something. So Saturday rolls around. I decided on Friday night that I'll have the girls from my wedding lineup come over since they were going to be free and at the Rorashio anyway. We just met up and ate and had some fun, and then guys go home. But in my head, I knew this was not... It. I needed closure. 
So I call him up and I'm like, uh, we need to talk. I need answers. It can't just be this. Because I had been silent for a couple of days. So I meet up with him. I think the very next day. I'm not even sure because at this point all my days are hazy. So I meet with him. We sit down and I'm like, I don't, I don't even want a drink or anything to eat. I just need answers. So I sit with him and I'm like, so exactly what happened? When did this happen? How did you know you were drugged by this chick? How do you know this chick? He's like, no, it's not a person I know. It's just somebody that I knew from a very long time ago, but I haven't seen her in a while. So when we met, she drugged me. His story still wasn't adding up. How? Funny, she knew she was going to meet with you and drug you. So he says all these things, and I'm like, and what do, what part do you did you have to play in all of this? He's like, no, me, no, I was by this point, I had I was drunk, I got drugged, I don't know what else. So I'm like, there's no responsibility being taken for this. There was silence from him. He literally had nothing to say. So I just felt like I don't even think he regrets this encounter. So I asked him two questions, which is the point at which I decided I'm definitely not marrying this person. I asked him, if this chick, this is just hypothetical, if this chick goes into labor on the wedding day, where are you going? To the hospital or to the wedding? And he was quiet. Question two, if we are married and we only have, for example, 45,000 shillings between the two of us and this child needs diapers, and we need food in our house. Which one are you paying first? And he had no answer. And I knew I can't be with him. Because one, I have been this child my entire life. The one with no father to support. So I don't want this child to be sitting somewhere in 20 years. Wondering why didn't my father want me? Or was I a mistake? Because I have had that my entire life. I didn't even know if he was ever going to get in contact with this chick ever again about the baby. But I knew I did not want to be part of that when I have been that child all my life. So I left that meeting very, very confused and also knowing what I did not want, which was the wedding, and what I wanted, which was to get up and out of Nairobi for a while. A few days later, his sister calls me now when everything has been... Please note, he explained to his family what happened on a text. His family found out on a WhatsApp group chat that Nick and I are no longer together. So already I'm like, how heartless can you be? Like, see you, you just met with them and told them in person. But hey, me, I already told my people. I told my mother and I told the four girls on my lineup. And after that, I was like, y'all will sort out the rest. You're the only ones I feel like I need to explain myself to. So his sister calls me. And she's like, oh, I feel so bad about what's happening. Oh, you know you guys can still get married. You know our sister has been through the same thing. But you guys can go to counseling. She's a counselor. She, she can walk you guys through it. You know, if you don't marry him, he'll never settle down. Oh, my gosh. You have never seen the mad side of me coming out. I was like, sorry, what? So now you want me to fix your brother? Because in my head, I'm like, no, I am not going to knowingly go into this with somebody who feels re zero remorse about this situation and be your family's saving grace as to this situation. I'm not going to marry him just because of 
the situation I'm already in and the Rora show and everything is planned. No, I refuse to be that person. So yeah, I, I was very pissed about this. She said I'm embarrassing her family by cancelling the wedding. And I'm like, it's, it, what? Whoa, are you not seeing what your brother has done? Yo, I was shook. I was shook. And that, with that, I booked a flight and I disappeared with two friends. We went to the coast and had an amazing vacay. In that season, I learned a lot about myself because my I'm a very selfless person generally. I'm an empath. I have a lot of um, energy within me that if I'm exposed to the wrong people, that energy changes and I'm uncomfortable, which is not a good thing. Any empath would know that. That season, I just realized that my energy had changed into something that I didn't want, that I no longer liked because... I was in a constant state of just make sure there is no confrontation in any situation or just make sure that other person is happy. My red flag radar was very heightened after this season because I realized I was way too um, naive about a lot of relationship things. And please note, this was me at, how old was I? I was 26. This was me at 26 and I was thinking, oh my goodness. How have I gotten to this point without this? Like I had had a relationship before this, but this kind of heartbreak where you don't even see things until the last minute, that was new to me. And so now, don't ignore red flags. Eh, And I think that's another reason that I've not been able to be in a long-lasting relationship since because now I see them and me, I call out. I call it out. I'm like, what was that? Why are you trying to nag me? Please, bro, this is not your sector. Mm. Oh, for those who don't know what nagging is, it's when a guy, especially on first meeting, he gives you a negative comment about yourself so that you're always looking for positive approval from that person. So that's what nagging is. And now I see it from far. Because you don't even realize that sometimes when you're with someone and they're always flirting with other people, it's disrespectful to you. But you're not thinking that. You're just like, oh. So nice, you're giving my friend a compliment. No, sometimes it's, hey, you're giving this person a compliment and me, I'm standing right here. This is disrespectful. <laughs> um, I have seen him. So he goes to the same church my mother does to date, which is a whole other dramatic situation. But for at least a year and a half after we had broken up, he would dial my number. And when I say hello, there would be silence on the other end. So one particular time after I was tired of all this, I was uh, having a visit with my friend, the person who was going to be my best mate. And literally, just after she arrived, his number comes up on the screen and I'm like, see, I'm not crazy. Because I had never thought to not pick up the phone and instead screenshot when the call is happening. So I screenshot mm. it and I'm like, this is not going to happen anymore. I'm done with this. You can't keep calling to check if I'm still alive. I'm out. Why are you calling? Because he called for at least a year and a half. So this time I took that and I thought of the only person he uh, respects. And this was his brother. And the good thing is his brother is full peeps. Like I still talk to him to date. He's a very cool person. So I sent the screenshot and I'm like, there's something I need to tell you. And I've been avoiding to tell you because I didn't even, I didn't want to make it anyone else's business. I think he, talked to him because that was the last time I had for him in a very long time. 
the only other time I've heard from him was a couple of years later when I found out that him and this chick who, please note, chick who drugged him, see, he said he was drugged. When this chick and him decided to get married, and he called me before one month before their wedding to ask for forgiveness. And I'm like, where did this come from? What? You're calling me now to ask me for forgiveness? Somewhere in the middle of all these years of silence, I found out that this chick was not just a stranger, it was his workmate which is why I was never invited to his work functions. Because you don't come from nothing at all to work romance and boom, there's a child, and then now you're getting married. No, that's not how it happens. It, it was much more than that. Catch our next African stories in the next episode. Man, I just don't know how I would have reacted at he going to meet my fiance a week to our traditional pre-wedding ceremony and then he gives me this eh hey, i don't know <laughs> i don't know i don't know but i i have not been in that situation but before i got married like a couple of years before i have been in a relationship where i was engaged to this guy and, you know, it didn't end well, but it ended before the wedding or any plans or whatever were put in, thankfully. But I remember my sister telling me that because obviously, you know, you're down in the dumps because it's a breakup. And my sister telling me, <laughs> my sister Amanda, she was like, eh, better a broken engagement than a broken marriage. And she she was not even thinking about, oh, you know, your hat or whatever. She was like navigating out of the legal <laughs> aspects of a marriage. Like if you get married in a way that involves the government is just a headache and a half. Then think about all of the money that goes into if you choose to, to have like, you know, a wedding ceremony and all of that stuff. That time, hey, <laughs> I remember chuckling. But deep down, I was like, hey, yeah, you have a point. But I'm just so thankful that Nick Tay shared her story. Remember, you can share yours as well on the podcast. Just send a one-minute demo to the podcast hotline number that is in the description. And then we shall take it from there. I will also, in the description, put a link to a website called beautifulrising.org with all that is happening around the world and even here in Kenya. Or maybe there's some sort of injustice, discrimination, or oppression, or something in your community you want to change. I think what would help you just kind of figure out what it is you want to do is seeing what people in various countries have done on an individual capacity or as groups, blah, 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 to change things up. Please check out beautifulrising.org. It's a great resource. It's basically a toolbox, and it doesn't hurt to kind of get a sense of campaigns that work and some that don't. Thank you for listening to the very end of this podcast. Remember, join us on our Instagram page that is at Legally Clueless Podcast. And that's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.